and welcome again to another edition of Turnbuckle Talk. This is your host, this is Slade, along with Matt, uh, coming to you live today from Athens, Alabama, near Alabama's new largest city, Huntsville. Um, and today we are going to do another watch along. We did one last week, um, and we also talked about the late, great, beautiful Bobby Eaton, but that was recorded last Thursday, and on Friday afternoon, or Friday night, while SmackDown was airing on Fox, the WWE announced they were releasing 13 uh, talents from NXT, and then, according to Dave Meltzer on the uh, Wrestling Observer radio show that he does on the weekends, he said that basically, oh, um, he basically said that Vince McMahon has decided that there will be no more midgets, his words, not mine, and no more uh, guys in their 30s that will be there. So, looks like NXT is going to go un- undergo a radical transformation. So, we thought we'd look back at the old NXT. Um, Matt, uh, any comments, any things you want to add to that and your opinions on that sort of stuff? Well, man, uh, first off, it's good to be talking to you as always. Uh, you know, another week down in the books, and, and we're back together with another episode. It's always good. Um, secondly, as always, I got to do my spiel. Absolutely. Uh, give, give us a like and a follow on social media. Uh, we are on Facebook at Buckle Talk, and on Twitter, we're at Turnbuckle P. Like I said, give us a like and a follow on both of those platforms. You'll stay up to date on all things Turnbuckle Talk. Um, like Slade said, man, we got, it, it seems to be, I don't want to call it a paradigm shift, but it seems to be a philosophy shift going on with yes. NXT. Uh, like you said about uh, the reporting from David Meltzer, uh, that it was a Vince McMahon call to release these talents. Yes. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, Shawn Michaels or Triple H, you know. So kind of went – they in essence, it went over Triple H's head and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of interesting uh, because people kind of always assumed that, that Vince was hands-off with NXT and he let Triple H do everything. Um, but as you can see – when Vince wants to pull his, you know, pull the strings, he can still pull the strings on whatever it is oh, yeah. um, that he wants to do. With that being said, I, I mean, compared to the rest of like wrestling Twitter, I wasn't really mad or upset about it. You know what I mean? The uh, Bronson Reed shocked me. I think that was kind of like the, the overwhelming majority that kind of, yeah. st- you know, stuck out to me as kind of a whoa, you know, um, especially being that that uh, the reporting was that Vince, like you said, didn't want any more quote unquote midgets. Uh, small to guys. Start them, yeah, small guys. Um, wanted to start them, have younger talent, which would go in line with people like Bobby Fish and Mercedes Martinez getting released. Right. Uh, but, you know, the Bronson Reed one still stuck out, struck, uh, stuck out to me. I don't know if, because he had reportedly been working some house shows or, or some dark matches before live events, whatever, uh, right. on the main roster. And that was supposedly the reason he dropped NXT North American Championship. So I don't know if, if Vince and Bruce Pritchard just didn't like it or, or didn't get it or 
Um, you know, it could be one of those things like if you ever listen to Bruce Bruce Pritchard's podcast, regardless of your feelings on Bruce Bruce Pritchard, his podcast is always entertaining. Um, the guy knows how to entertain. He's a natural entertainer and he's fun to listen to talk, especially about right. wrestling. Um, as long as you ain't taking him serious because he's not taking things serious. But one thing he always does kind of uh, state on his podcast about wrestlers when Conrad asks him, you know, about why you release so-and-so or such-and-so, whatever, um, is like, you know, we, we had to go get a uh, – we wanted to get a fresh paint of coat, you know. Um, you want to let them leave so that maybe they'll go learn something new and then you can bring them back down the road. Uh, so, you know, just because they're getting released, it's not – obviously not the end of the road. Uh, you know, kind of like I mentioned last week, Vince McMahon, there's the bridges are never burned in no. the wrestling, you know, in WWE, unless you intentionally do something, but that's very far and few, you know, few and far between. Um, so I think while I was surprised by Bronson Reed, the rest of them, not really given the reasons that were reportedly giving, you know, uh, given to Dave Meltzer. Uh, I, I mean, and <laughs> I'm going to be honest, man, I'm fine with something changing. Um, I'm fine with a philosophy shift every four or five years or however long it's been. Um, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I was just going to say, I understand him. I understand Vince's reasoning of wanting to create main event stars. But at the same time, it's obvious that Vince – will never create another rock or stone cold Steve Austin or John Cena where the, the talent is bigger than the company. Um, I think he's made that abundantly clear and, and it's, it's well known that that won't happen. So when you're kind of limiting what the talent can do in that aspect, it's going to be hard to create another one of those. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and I think Roman is the closest thing they have to it. And I think, that's been Vince's plan all along because they, you know, they pushed Roman to the moon from the get go. Uh, but even that, I mean, it, he's not anywhere close to John Cena's level. He's not anywhere close to Stone Cold or, or Hulk Hogan or The Rock or no. um, Andre the Giant or whoever. He, he's he's a tier below all of those guys, if not more. Um, right. Even though he's still the biggest name in that company um, at the moment, and I think that just shows the formula the events and the management itself is going after when they're quote unquote making these stars. Right. And I don't love the idea of just saying we don't want to have smaller guys as are in there, but I do think there is a lot of value in going younger. I really do. Yeah. And here's my, here's my thing with the smaller guys. Sorry to cut you off. You just kind of made the light bulb go off in my head. The, out if it's utilized correctly i love a cruiserweight division a la wcw 96 97 98 whatever um wwe and it's obvious vince doesn't care for the cruiserweights the smaller guys that's obvious um throughout his decades running the company um but i do think there is something to say that that most of these talents or a lot of these talents, the majority of the talents in NXT do look similar size-wise. Um, 
And I think, you know, I've had a couple buddies that's, oh, I, I don't watch NXT as much anymore. They're all quote unquote vanilla midgets. Um, and, and it's all personal preference, you know, but I, I have noticed over the last couple of years, a lot of the guys are the same. You, you know, you have your outliers, you yeah. have your Bronson Reeds and your uh, dominant Dijakovics and people like that. But for the most part, they're all Adam Cole or Cameron Grimes or um, uh, Bobby Fish and, and all of them. Also all the Tampa, yeah. Gargano. And then when they get on the main roster uh, and you go up against uh, – I don't know, Sheldon Benjamin, like it doesn't even look believable. You know what I mean? Um, Sheldon, like or Seamus, yeah. And Seamus is only six foot. Um, yeah. But he's just a big dude. You know what I mean? So I think right. I, I understand the point, um, even though I still think, you know, there's still a, a, a necessity to have those smaller guys. And I don't, I don't know five ten, five nine isn't small, but in wrestling terms, it is. Right. Um, so I just, yeah, if they can mix it up and, and make things a little more interesting in that aspect, I'm all for it, man. All for it, 100. percent And I'm, and like I said, I'm, I'm with the whole let's, let's, uh, um, what you gonna say? Uh, Develop younger. Yeah. Yeah. Going younger, like that's not a bad idea because if if you want NXT to be a developmental brand, you don't need. Karrion Cross is your champion. He's 36 years old. I don't mean I'm not wanting to pick on him, but you you don't need a 36 year old champion. And the only way that makes any sense if it's somebody that you know is not going to be there long or somebody that you're just going to keep there as kind of a gatekeeper before you move them up. Right. You don't. You you need if you want to be developmental, you need to go younger, and I think that's the route they're taking. I think that's a good thing. Percent, uh, you know, you, you kind of touched on it. Uh, real quick, can you turn me down a little bit? Oh yeah, I got you. Sorry. There you go. That better? Yeah, it should be better. Um, but you kind of touched on it just a second ago that that if you want to have somebody that's older to be kind of a gatekeeper, you know, that's kind of what they had with, uh, what was his name? Oh no. Cassius Sono. Um, you know, I remember Riddle destroying him. And then you have Samoa Joe there who's a a grizzled veteran. Uh, you have, you know, you know, as long as you have three or four that are put in different positions to where they can elevate the younger talent, but those talents that they're elevating are still developing as well because that's right. what NXT was originally created for man it was a, it was developmental um so develop people you know um, yeah so yeah I'm, I'm completely on board with that as well uh people like Mercedes Martinez and, and Bobby Fish who have been around for a long time they have enough uh name name value in wrestling uh in the wrestling world wrestling community whatever you want to call it they'll get opportunities somewhere else, whether, you know, if it's AEW or uh, Impact or Ring of Honor or wherever they want to go, I'm sure they'll have an opportunity. Uh, you know, I don't think neither one of them, but Bobby Fish is a solid worker. Um, Mercedes Martinez, you know, she has a very believable look to her. Right. Um, I think their their releases were simply age-related. Uh, so if, if another company wants to take a chance on them and I think they will, uh, 
then I think you'll be seeing both of them again, 30 days away or 90 days, however long it's going to be. Uh, right. So I don't, I, you, you know, I don't, I kind of touched on it before. I don't really get been out of shape when it's announced that WWE's released a lot of people or talent. And I think they said they've released over a hundred in the last year plus since like last April. Uh, right. I, I mean, I don't want to say it is what it is because I hate that term, but I mean, it's true in this case because this is what they've done. This is what they do. This is what they're going to do. They're going to use you. And then if they can't find a spot for you, or if they don't want to find a spot for you, they're going to let you go. Right. Um, But at the same time, there's countless, there's countless talent who have been on this roster, whether it's the main roster or NXT roster over the years that if it wasn't for their WWE run, nobody would be talking about them at all anyways. You know what I right. mean? So how can you criticize the company for getting you to know somebody? I mean, right. obviously there are criticisms to be warranted and whatnot, but, you, you know, take an Enzo and Big Cass. Nobody would be talking about either one of them today if it wasn't for WWE. But Enzo just had an interview on Busted Open Radio, and he hadn't done shit in two years. Um, right. You know, a page. Like, all these people you could name that have had these runs, and they were wrongly done by the company, and blah, 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 blah. But you know who they are because of that company. You know, so there's some credit to be given to that company because they're the ones that got you familiar with them. And so, and I always say, if the talent's good enough, they'll find an opportunity elsewhere. Um, And if they're not good enough to find an opportunity elsewhere, then maybe WWE made the right decision in releasing them, you know? And you, and you see that sometimes I I think of a guy like, uh, it's going to sound mean, Damian Sandow. Yep. You know, he left, he goes to, he goes to Impact, and it, it turns out that he just, without without somebody, I'm not, I don't know if it's Vince or whoever, seeing something, you know, finding that one thing when left to his own devices, he's just, he's just not very good, bless his heart. Yep, absolutely. And, and that's, and that's so, the thing. If, if you're good, I mean, it's the same way in pro sports, man. It, I was – same way in pro sports. If you're good enough, they'll find a roster spot for you. Unless right. you have some detrimental things going on outside the the, the playing field or, or the locker room, you know. And I was telling my fiance this, and I think I, – I don't know this for certain, and I'm going to ramble for just a couple more minutes and then we can move on. But uh, I was telling her that I think a lot of the issues that internet – wrestling like twitter the internet wrestling community whatever you want to call it has and i think a lot of these people who complain a lot about every single time somebody gets released from wwe even though those same people are the ones complaining that wwe isn't using them right and they wish they could see them in this other company and all this and that i think part of the problem is they don't they're not fans of others other sports um, sure, there are wrestling fans that are sports fans. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the ones who don't understand the business side of wrestling. Because you look at the NFL, Slade, you're 
one of the biggest sports fans I know, you know, I'm not about to tell you anything you don't know already. But right. if you look at the NFL, when training camp starts, how many players are on a team? Like 90. When the first day of the regular season starts, how many players are on the team? 53. Now, whatever 90 minus 53 is, you 37. Get that okay. Now multiply that by 32. That's how many players get fired before the season even starts. 1280, that's 1184. That's almost 1,200 people. That's almost 1,200 NFL players who get fired before the season even starts every mm -hmm. single year, you know, and that's not counting in the season. Um, so my point is, is like it, it, wrestling didn't create this. You know what I mean? WWE didn't create this. This happens in more than just WWE. Like this isn't some uh, some and, evil act that the, the Vince McMahon has concocted in his head and has started to where oh, I'm just going to release 12 people or on, on a Friday night. Like people get, it, it happens in sports. It happens in entertainment. Like that's what WWE is. It's a combination of both. And so, and I think that's where kind of, I don't know, like me growing up being a sports fan like that, and just using the NFL as an example because it happens in Major League Baseball. It happens in uh, the NBA and whatnot. It, being a sports fan has kind of conditioned me to be used to seeing, oh, so-and-so just got released. So-and-so just got released. Sure, Bray Wyatt getting released is going to surprise me. Bronson Reed getting released is going to surprise me. But WWE releasing talent every year right after WrestleMania, that's not going to surprise me because NFL has Black Monday where they fire coaches and all this and that. Like, it's just part of the business, man. And I know some people on Twitter don't like to hear that, but it's, I mean, that's like God's honest truth. And to your point, so you, you, we talk about how, you know, there's 1184, 1200 We'll say 1,200 because, I mean, that's that's probably closer anyway. 1,200 people get fired every year. What you talked about earlier, if you're good enough, you'll find an opportunity somewhere else. Absolutely. Because you hear stories all the time of that guy that got, you know, the Ravens kicked so-and-so off there, off, you know, off a training camp, but he got picked up by the by the Giants, and I'll be danged if he ain't making big plays for him down the stretch. Like Michael, that happens all Michael, the time. So again, if you're good enough, absolutely, you'll you know, and and years ago I can understand it when it, when TNA was the only other game in town unless you want to go to the Indies. But you've got Impact's good, Major League Wrestling's good, um, Japan you can go over there and wrestle, and you've got AEW now. So you there are more opportunities there if you if you if 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 you get released. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then it's always funny because I don't know, these, these people on the internet are saying, you know, so-and-so deserves better by WWE and da -da 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 -da. and then WWE releases so-and-so and it's like, oh my God, why would WWE do that? Da -da -da -da. They're such assholes. And it's like, well, you want it better for the guy or girl. Here's their chance. If you think another place would be better for, you know? Um, like I think if somebody it's just like funny that it's, yeah. it, it seems that, that, that the fans take it worse than the talent does. Yeah. Because the talent understands that's part of it. Right. 
And but it's like if you don't see the talent coming unglued, you, you know, like I don't know if your favorite wrestler is not that mad about it, and they're in a two hundred and thirty thousand dollar house driving a sixty thousand dollar car because they were working for WWE for three years. And they're still getting paid for their 90 day vacation. They're getting, they're, they're forced to take. And they're going to have options after that to still get paid. Like, why, why are you so upset? Right. And, and again, I think of somebody like Deanna Peraza, who, you know, she kind of got caught in a numbers crunch. Right. Because, you know, NXT's women division even now is probably the best thing they've got going for it. I and don't so know, man. Just, Cameron Grimes is pretty good. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> okay, it's probably the best division NXT no, has. No, yeah, no, for. I agree with you. I agree. And so she kind of got caught in a – we don't really have a spot for her on the main roster, and there's so much talent on the NXT roster, we don't really have a spot for her. So she gets released and they send her and she goes to impact and she's, she's just really, she's really re. I mean, I won't say reinvented her because she's always had that virtuosa character, but like she's really cranked up on kind of the. Right. She's found herself. The the smart aleck, the, the, the holier than thou stuff. And she's one of the best women's talents out there. Right. But I don't know that she'd have ever gotten that chance in WWE. And it's probably for the best that, that she got a chance to go somewhere where she could shine like that. Right. And I don't, you know, I haven't heard an interview of hers or anything, um, but I would be willing to bet that she would credit WWE for a lot of the success that she's having now because of what she learned while she was with the company. You know, even if it, you could work a job slate and, and get fired, but you could still, you, you know, I always told people when I was a manager over them, uh, I just want you to take one thing from this job that you can use for the rest of your life. Right. Whether it's actually dealing with this job or whether it's something that you, you heard from me when we were just shooting the breeze on a slow day or, you know, uh, 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 something as simple. I remember this one girl that was working under me. So I, I had, a, I was working in the restaurant, uh, GM of the restaurant and this girl, uh, I was getting her to clean uh like the, the 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 food line and all this and that and i told her i said look i said when you clean to make it easier on yourself i said remember to always clean like you're washing a car you wash top to bottom right you clean top to bottom and i remember it is just something simple like i mean it's just common sense to me but this was like her first job ever little college girl and and uh I remember it's probably six, eight months later and she came up to me and she was telling me like how she still to that day remembered that, you know, and, and she always thinks of that anytime she's cleaning something, you know, I remember Matt told me always clean top to bottom. And I told her, I was like, well, hopefully as small as that may be, you'll take that with you for every other job you ever have. And nobody will ever have to correct you on how to clean. You know what I mean? Um, right. So if you can take something from every job that you have and use it going forward, regardless of what it is, then, I mean, as much as you made a hate of that company you worked for, they helped you. Right. You know? And you, you know? learned something. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't like saying it, but 
with these NXT releases, it, it is what it is, man. Uh, if, you're, if they're good enough, they'll find their footing somewhere else. If not, um, they'll get thrown out to sea. And, and that's just kind of the way it is in, in an entertainment and a sports business. You know, yep. if you're good enough, somebody will notice whether it's the big giant fish or the little uh, goldfish in the goldfish pond, whatever. Somebody right. will notice. Oh, yeah. Well, Slade, uh, you ready to get in this watch along? Yes. Uh, Yes. Uh, Do you want me to tell them a little bit about it? Yeah, I was just going to say, if you want to watch along with us, it's on the Peacock app. I apologize for last week's episode. I got the season wrong, and I didn't realize it until I was almost done, so I put a little edit in the description of the podcast so that people would read that and not listen to my dumb ass. But nevertheless – it was one number. You say seven, I say eight. Who cares? Right. But um, I got it for yeah. sure. I got it for sure this week. I double checked. Um, if you're on the Peacock and you want to watch along with us, go to the WWE NXT, uh, and then you go to season 10, one zero, episode 10, one zero, and it will be March 9th of 2016. Um, the episode of NXT has got a 55-minute runtime. Uh, so if you want to follow us, follow along with us, we'll give you a couple minutes to do that. Like I said, season 10, episode 10, uh, March 9th, 2016. And I will say, Slade, before you get into kind of what this is, when you were, you know, when we were going over what we wanted to do a watch along to or what you would pick ultimately, um, I, you know, I was kind of thinking when you said an older episode of NXT, I was like, that's perfect because I never watched much NXT uh, the weekly programming when it was on the network. Now I call it all the takeovers, um, I, you know, but as far as following it on like a weekly basis on the network, I didn't, uh, I would know about, you know, I know about Smojo showing up or, uh, uh Shinsuke showing up. Cause I've had friends that watched it every week and they text me. It's like, Hey, you need to check this out. You need to check that out. But as far as keeping up with the storylines, and, and and knowing what was going on on a consistent basis, I didn't, you know, I didn't follow it all. But like I said, I did catch the takeovers um, because I knew those were always money. Um, and actually, one of my biggest regrets wrestling-wise uh, was when I went to WrestleMania 34 down in New Orleans, the second one I went to. Um, I didn't go to the takeover down there. Um, right. I was I was with my fiance, and I mentioned it many a times on the podcast. She's not a wrestling fan, so I figured uh, WrestleMania by itself would be plenty of wrestling for her to to consume. Uh, and I was right about that. So we spent the night of Takeover. Uh, we went out to eat at a nice restaurant and, and whatnot. Uh, so we had a little uh, couples time, I guess. But. Right. Um, going back and watching that takeover after it happened, I was like, damn, I wish I would have been there because um, it was a really good one. But um, so, yeah, I was just, just going to say we I haven't watched much weekly NXT from this era or the previous era, um, but I did keep up with the takeover. So when you when you told me you wanted to do an older NXT episode back when they were one hour, I was like, man, that, that works for me because I'm 99 percent sure I haven't seen it. So, 
March 9th, 2016, um, they are setting up for TakeOver Dallas, which would happen the night before WrestleMania 32. So two years before the the TakeOver New Orleans that you missed. Right. So the, the main event of the evening will be Samoa Joe versus Sami Zayn, a uh, two out of three falls match. For the W or for the number one contender spot for the NXT championship, which was at the time held by Finn Balor. Now, these three guys all in their 30s at this time, but all three would be on the main roster within a year. So this you can kind of see, yes, it's not exactly what NXT wants to be now, but they also weren't staying down there for a while, which no disrespect to Johnny Gargano and Tommy Tommaso Champion. Those are the two that I think of the most when I think of that. But at least you're getting them moving up, moving on up when you get them in there. Right. So that's going to be your main event for the evening. And right now I'm looking at fireworks because it's it's at a it's at like zero 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 two. But that's oh. just because that's the way the peacock works here. Here we go. Here we go. Got it there. All right. So I'm looking at a black screen now. So. You about ready? I'm ready, man. You want to do the countdown? I'll do it. All righty. So in three, two, one. All right. Yep. Fireworks. There's Cena, Andre, Trips, The Rock. I got lost somewhere in there, but I saw Ben Senior <laughs> and Trish Stratus and Randy Orton. Yeah, Trish Stratus would make me get lost, too. Understand 100%. Then now forever. And oh, now speaking gonna... of John Cena, real quick, did you see that? I think I sent it to you that TikTok video WWE posted of Baron Corbin. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're what sitting in front talking? of John Cena on the truck and he's like, they can't see me or something. Like that. <laughs> that was done so well. The Baron Corbin thing, I, I've got to say, he gets an early mention on this episode. So, but the Corbin thing is just, it's gold. Oh, he's like killing it. Playing the down on his luck, having no luck whatsoever thing, down to the hilt. 100%. Samoa Joe shows up. There's the revival. Yeah, I like this uh, intro because it's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people. Um, yes. That just kind of takes you back. You know, as Enzo and Cass were on there a minute ago, Dana Brooke, Paulo Cruz. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's an Oscar, Oscar sign. We are NXT live from Full Sail Arena in, in Orlando. And here comes his lordship, William Regal. Now, you sent me something we were talking about. Last week, I vented my spleen about the late, great, beautiful Bobby Eaton, the pride of Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Um, and you sent me the vignettes that they did with him and with Eaton joining up with William Regal to become the Blue Bloods. I had, I watched those as a kid. That stuff is hilarious. No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's like I told you. I was like, I didn't, that was the type of stuff I didn't really get is like a, six-year-old or seven-year-old but you know looking back on it now you can uh, you 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 can appreciate it a whole lot better right right 
But yeah, it's was, was pretty good. Cornet, uh, not Cornet, brains fried there. Regal's facial expressions a couple of times, like when, especially when 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 Eaton tries on the the dress clothes. Yeah, just gold. Bobby has that god awful yellow shirt, like purple tie or something. You know, spoken. (laughs) Uh, William Regal, Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him, his lordship. Um, I'm pretty sure he was the originator of the stink face. Yes, and I'm not talking about Rikishi's move. I'm talking about the 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 thing the kids do now. Um, Yes. He came up with the stink face before people will even call it the stink face. Right. Um, but yeah, he perfected all his facials as a blue blood. And when he was in that gimmick was just priceless. I love it. Regal's also probably my favorite um, authority figure because he's not just an overt bad guy. Yeah. Like, like the, the the hill authority figure has been done way too often. Yeah, it's been running to the ground. Even though, even though Regal himself was always a hill, for the I mean, well, almost always a hill. He had moments, but you know, I like him as like the no nonsense GM. That's just here's the decision, here's what it is, and I'm done with it. Yeah, that's kind of what he just did here. You know, kind of. Talked about what was going on and then just got out. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to pop the crowd or anything like that. Um, very official. Sets up a, sets up a WrestleMania or a takeover match between Baron Corbin and Austin Aries, and tells us tonight that the main event, which oh well, they'll be starting the main event early tonight, I guess. I guess you want to get it out of the way just in case. But it's Samoa Joe versus uh, Sami Zayn for the number one contender spot. Joe's always been one of the more intimidating looking yeah like people like 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 people he's people, not like he's not tall and he's not like ripped I mean he's he's got some muscle definition but you know you wouldn't think of him as like this ripped dude he just looks he's mean. Just like the kind of guy that you would see at a bar that would just beat the crap out of you well he looks like the guy at a bar that would just come up and slap your drink out of your hand yes, and then dare and you to say something yeah. All right, that's the kind of guy he looks like. But uh no Sasha Banks, Sadeo Atami, and oh PS Hayes. Doop doop doop. It's a big, it's a big show. Big yeah. show. Uh speaking of you mentioned Bobby Eaton. Um we were kind of talking before we started recording. Uh for those of you who may not have heard yet, uh for whatever reasons, if you may not have heard, uh, Jim Cornette put out, I guess you'd, I wouldn't even call it a tribute episode, but it was just an episode where Jim Cornette talked about Bobby Eaton or tried yeah. to talk about Bobby Eaton uh, for a couple hours, two, two and a half, three hours, whatever it was. It's on, it's on his YouTube channel. I encourage you, if you want to know anything about Bobby Eaton, if maybe uh, you weren't up on Bobby Eaton, uh, if he was before your time or, or, or whatever reason, Go listen to that. The first, you know, me and Slay were talking about it. The first probably 10, 15 minutes were pretty hard to get through. Um, the last 10, 15 minutes were pretty hard to get through. But you see a different side of Jim Cornette. You see the human side of Jim Cornette. Um, and and you see that, I mean, how much he meant, he being Bobby Eaton, 
meant to Jim Cornette. Oh yeah. Um, and and so it's a very, very interesting listen. Um, like I said, if you have a couple hours this weekend or over the next week or so, you know, just bits and pieces here and there, um, you'll I guarantee you'll learn something you didn't know about Bobby Eaton. Um, also the the Arn Anderson podcast from this week is about 55 minutes and it's a tribute to Bobby Eaton uh, because Which, Arn, Arn and, and Bobby uh, I think he said on it that they were na- basically neighbors right on the same street in Charlotte yeah for probably I think he said 13 14 years um, and so he he was you know he was telling uh, a bunch of stories outside the ring type stories um, and so that's another which I could listen to Arn Anderson read the phone book he's just a very interesting human being in my opinion yes but in this case uh, he had a very close relationship with Bobby Eaton for a very long time uh, so like I said once again if you want to find out a little bit more about beautiful Bobby Eaton um, give those two two podcasts a listen over the next week and I don't think you will regret doing so oh yeah yeah um it always it, it tells me something. I did not know this story. I found it all out looking at some of Cornette stuff. So that apparently Goldberg wanted Eaton to end the streak. Hmm. Like they had a house show in Huntsville, which is where Bobby Eaton. So they actually did a, a a little report on the local news station here on on uh, on beautiful Bobby. But they were did a house show in Huntsville, and because Eaton had done some stuff for Goldberg when he was first starting out. Goldberg said, wouldn't it be a great idea if I lost the mat, if I let Bobby break the streak? And the, the WCW brass had to kind of talk him down from it because at the time it made no sense for Eaton to have been the one that broke him. Right. That did it. But, like, it says something to the kind of reputation and the kind of love people had for him that, that he immediately was like, oh, let me, let me lose to him. Absolutely. Let me let him in the streak. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, that goes back to what we were saying last week about him, man. Uh, there's yeah, almost any wrestler you hear talk about him says similar things. That, you know, wasn't a nicer guy. Uh, I think Arn Anderson said there wasn't a nicer human being on the earth. Right. Uh, in, in his latest podcast. So, I mean, when, when you get when you have legends and respected wrestlers saying this about you, you know, uh, if you know anything about the wrestling industry, especially the older generation of wrestling, um, they don't just mince words. You know what I mean? Like they're going to say There's what they always, mean, whether it's good or bad. And so, um, and, and generally, and one, no matter who you are, there's something bad said right. about you. There's something. some there's some kind of ulterior motive with something and whatnot. You're trying to get yourself over type deal, but you won't find that with Bobby. No. Like I said, the worst thing people said about him was that maybe if he'd have been a little bit more selfish and a little bit more mean, he would have been able to get more over because he would have been able to demand stuff that he really deserved, but that wouldn't have made him who he was. Right, and and like I said, man, if, if somebody's biggest complaint about me is that I'm not mean enough or I'm not selfish enough. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. I'll 100% take it. All right, well, we got this match about to kick off. 
uh, Samoa Joe's near looking. The, near the intros, they actually they also showed um, Larry Zabisco, Mauro mm. Ronaldo, and Adam Jones, the drummer for or guitarist for the band Tool, in the audience. So yes, not the baseball player. You know, so you got a lot of so you got or the former football player nicknamed Pac-Man who yes. did once wrestle in TNA and he couldn't he because of the 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 um his pro his probation he couldn't actually throw a punch or take a punch in the match either. <laughs> like like literally that sounds like, like the like most Pac-Man and Jones thing ever. He couldn't like if he got caught throwing a punch it was auto jail time. So that's, even that's, like throwing a punch in a wrestling match would have gotten him put to jail. So like yeah, the most it was Pac-Man Jones thing ever. It's also the most TNA thing ever. Oh, absolutely! But that goes well. Did, did you book a guy that oh he's okay. gonna get mainstream <laughs> pub and then oh by the way you can't actually <laughs> use him because if he does anything he goes back to jail. That's great. Let's see here. You've got. So Joe and Sami Zayn, this is this is mega mega face Sami Zayn too, and I've got to say, clean cut mega face Sami Zayn just doesn't just doesn't work as well for me as deposed uh, deposed gorilla leader with a camera crew Sami Zayn now does. Well, I would agree with you if. If, excuse me, if his current look happened before this look. Yes. You know what I mean? But, yeah, going back and knowing what you know now about Sami Zayn, I I completely agree with you. But I think he's done it right in his progression, I guess you could say. And Sami, God bless him, you know, you can sort of tell now that the injuries and the the wear and tear have kind of gotten to him because he can't go quite as well as he used to. But he's way more entertaining because of it, because he knows exactly what he needs to do to get something over. Right. It, it's and we got our first near fall of the match. But yeah, it's I forget who said it, but it's kind of like an injury or injuries plural could could be a detriment to your in ring career, but it could it could extend your wrestling career. Yeah, because you can find um, ways to. Yeah, if you want to stay relevant, man, you have to figure out how to stay relevant. You know, and uh, Stone Cold was one of those. Um, Randy Orton's a good example. Randy Orton's a good example, but with Stone Cold, when he would be hurt, you know, this and Kurt Angle, um, you know, the stuff they had together when the Jimmy Crack Corn bit. Oh God, that. yes. Um, the, they the were little doing, cowboy hats. Yeah, but they were doing that out of necessity. Because they were both yeah. hurt, but they still had to get them on on screen. Um, but it showed a different side of them. Um, have you ever heard the story about the cowboy hats? No, but I bet it's a good Kurt, one. Well, Kurt told it on his podcast, but he just said that uh, uh, Stone Cold was walking through the airport and saw those cowboy hats uh, in like a gift shop or something. He said, "God dang, we gotta wear those." I could hear I could hear the Stone Cold voice saying that too. And so he he went and bought those little miniature <laughs> cowboy hats, and like they just they came off the top of their head, no pun intended. But like, yeah, it just Love all happened it. organically. But he was just walking through an airport and saw those two hats, and that's how that happened. But um, yeah, so I mean, you know, it, it sucks that people like Sammy. Um, 
had to go through the injuries and whatnot. You know, I'll never forget that shoulder injury he had against Cena on his debut. Um, just slinging oh, yeah. his shoulder out of socket or whatever it was. Right. His entrance. Like, how crazy is that? It's um, and it's the kind of thing that I that you would worry that would might that might would get Vince to like write you off right then. Yep. My God, I can't even keep him healthy when I bring him up. Yep. He can't even keep healthy when he throws his arms up, but he's done such a good work with his character stuff. You almost you have to keep him. Yep, absolutely. And and, and so I, I I mentioned Norton. I just I can't help but remember when he was first starting out and he came in as like the most vanilla, yep. bland baby face. Oh, he's a third generation guy, and it's cowboy Bob Orton's son, and well, they he's got him. a good look, but that's really all he had going for him. Well, and then he got, the, then he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. And he had, he had the RNN, the Randy News Network updates, yeah. where he'd come back and go, Hey, this is Randy Orton, just letting y'all know that uh, I went to the other set. Yeah. It 27% of its normal capacity. So hopefully yeah. in a couple of weeks, it'll be up to 50%, and I can be back entertaining you fans. And it was just, it was so good. Oh. But no, and, and his his debut and the way they they presented Orton at the beginning reminded me a lot of The Rock. Oh God, yes, the you know, smiley, well, the blue blue chipper, third generation, um, super athletic, future star type presentation, um, and and like you said, very vanilla. Uh, Rock was very vanilla. Uh, when when he first came out, until they put him in the Nation of Domination, and then they let him be him, basically. Absolutely, and I think that's been over. It, and I think that's kind of what they've done to circle around. I think that's kind of what they've done with Sami Zayn. I mean, I'm sure he's getting, you know, scripted promos, but he's able to add his flair to it and his right, his attitude, or you know, whatever you want to call it, to those promos to kind of make it his. Uh, right. Samojo's the same as that way, man. Um, very believable uh, uh, and, and, and can kind of make something his own. You know, when right. Samojo talks, you believe him. A lot of it's because of his facials, but it's just the way he says things um, and the tone of his voice. And and so, yeah, the, both of these guys in the ring um, – you know, Joe, I still kind of selfishly wish he was on commentary. Uh, oh, God, yes. You know, of course, I'd like to see him in the ring over being on commentary, but he was a natural on commentary. He, he was great as a commentator. He really was. Like, he had an ability to describe the action. And the thing that I give him a lot of credit for was a lot of wrestlers like to talk about their di- – he never really did. Right. I mean, he would mention, okay, well, you know, I thought so-and-so, and this is why, but, you know, he didn't, like, try to put himself over, like, well, I used to kick his ass all the time. I don't right. know why he struggled with it. Right. He wasn't making it about himself. Yeah, he was He was, He was. was adding to it, not, like, Taking away. making it about him, which is, which is a hard needle to thread. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, but yeah, he, you know, I'm obviously glad to see him uh, back in NXT. Uh, yeah, I think he's a really, especially this day and time, he's a real natural fit there. Um, right. And, and, uh oh, you know, Sammy's going diving. Uh oh. But, but Samoa Joe, 
Samoa Joe moves out of the way. Have you ever have you ever seen the uh, the the video of uh, I want to say it was Jeff Hardy going up for a top rope move and Samoa Joe just walks away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That always cracks me up. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Samoa Joe don't give a you know what. No. Let's see here. Or was it AJ? Styles. Of course, AJ and Samoa Joe wrestled a million times, so. Yeah, they have. Let's see here. Samoa Joe. I don't know why this is bothering me not remembering who walked away. It's great. <laughs> It's crazy to think that AJ Styles has been in WWE for five years now. I know. Because for the longest time, he was the one that I wanted in WWE, and you never thought it would happen. Now he's been there half a decade. <laughs> so apparently, Samoa Joe did that more than once. Because like, there's AJ Styles, there's Jeff Hardy, there's all sorts of people he did that to. Like, they'd go up for a move, and he just, yeah, Rob Van Dam. That's funny. But yes, AJ AJ finally getting the WWE was just great. Even if even if um oh I've just lost his name. Kevin Dunn missed the intro. Yeah, at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, like what are you uh, doing? And, and I think I think with AJ it I know it took a long time, but I think it was the right time. Yes. I think if AJ would have been in WWE in 07, 08, 09, that era, I don't think he would have lasted. Um, no. Because he is undersized. Um, he's not necessarily what Vince is looking for. And especially back when he had the really short hair. Right. Um, he wasn't very good on the mic. He was very uh, generic type. And I think I don't think he would have lasted very long. So I think the journey he took, and I think he would say the same thing. I mean, I don't know the man personally, but just from the interviews I have seen of him, uh, I think he would say the same thing that the journey he took is the right journey, and and he got to WWE at the at the right time for him because he is a well. I mean, I, he's top three or four right now. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you know, and, and he's been that way since he's been in the company and he, he took all that stuff he learned before getting to WWE. Um, and then he was just able, it's just natural to him now. You know what I mean? He's such like, he came out there uh, Monday night uh, with Orton and Riddle and it just seems natural the way he just talks as a heel, you know? And he's not a condescending – well, I mean, he can be a condescending heel. He's not like a, a vengeful, spiteful heel. He's like a comedic heel, you know. But he right. just seems like it comes natural with him. Um, and I could watch him on TV all day. All day. And I, and, and him and Amos <laughs> are just perfect together. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think – Almost getting with him is is going to be a huge boon down the road. I hope so. Yeah, because, but yes, old AJ, good his stuff, man. He 
he's got that redneck goober character down pat. He does. Like, like he's like you can almost see him sitting on a front porch with a piece of straw between his teeth, telling you to go down the old Johnson place and take a left if you need to get to the neck to the nearest murder joint. Yeah. Go down the old Johnson place, you take you a left, you go about a mile and a half, and then there'll be a little dirt road. You'll take a ride on to it. It'll be right there. You can't miss it. Now, I can almost hear him saying that from his house in Gainesville. Yeah. Did you have I have I told you on the podcast the story about me getting AJ to smile at me during a house show? No. I didn't. I could have sworn. I don't I remember it if you did. Well, okay. For those of y'all who may not have heard, or I can't remember if I did or not. Slaves were almost to fifty episodes, man. Um, this is true. <laughs> well wwe had a house show in jackson mississippi um three years ago I, I can't remember exactly when it was but it was whenever he was doing the face that runs the place type gimmick um on smackdown right and i forget who he was wrestling but uh at the end of the match and now I don't know if you've ever been in the Miss uh, the, the the Mississippi Fairgrounds Coliseum or whatever they call it up in Jackson, right? But there's not a bad seat in that building. It's you know it holds five six thousand people, whatever it is. But you're you're right on the action. Like there's not an upper deck. Um, the building just goes straight up. So we were I was on like row two or three of the actual stadium seating, not the floor seating. But I mean, I it was. You were, you were close enough you could hear everybody talking type deal. Uh, but after AJ's match was over, he got on the mic to cut one of those classic heel promos, like I always told you about JBL calling Hattiesburg, Hadesburg. Uh, right. Which is still great. But uh, AJ goes into this spill about, you know, how he's a face that runs a place, champ runs a camp, da 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 da, da. And then he uh, – he starts dogging on Jackson and on Mississippi in the traditional hill way of all oh, this redneck state, da, 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 this backwoods trailer park. Da, 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 da. And like, as soon as he said that, like everybody got quiet, like there was a little boo and then everybody got quiet and he wasn't saying nothing. And I just blurted out, you're from Georgia. What's the difference? <laughs> like he literally like all the people around me started laughing and he even because he was staring in our on our side you know the ring and he just started laughing like for a few seconds and then he got back in the like it's like, it's like, like, it's, it's like it's is this not, not the it's, pot calling the kettle black here like yes. <laughs> you know you're like, talking like, I couldn't about deal rednecks calling y'all a bunch of rednecks i'm from alabama but i'm saying like it's aj like he's got the country accent he's got the little twang going on like come yeah on. <laughs> come on you're from georgia dude like i mean i know it's mississippi like i understand completely but <laughs> you're from freaking gainesville georgia you're not even from atlanta like come on <laughs> you know Yeah, you're yeah, you're from yeah, you're not from like big city. You're from Gainesville, which is like yeah, the before, size of look, the 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 only Gainesville I knew of before AJ Styles was Florida. <laughs> yeah, so me too. There's that. <laughs> All right, Slade, talk these people through the match real quick. I'm gonna run real quick. I'll be right back. All right. All right, man. You good? So we've we've had a few near falls. Samoa Joe's kind of taking control. 
as I mentioned, it was the best two out of three falls match here. Um, so right now, Joe has hit some high-impact moves. Zane's kicking out. Joe's sitting there kind of contemplating what he wants to do next, and he levels Zane with a chop. chop. Telling him to get up. Slap in the face, slap in the face, slap in the face. Zane looks like he's about he's out on his feet. Oh, but he, oh, Zane ducks a Zane ducks a clothesline, hits him with a flavorant, and then Joe with a very nice snap suit, uh, snap body slam. Joe looks frustrated; he couldn't get the pin. <laughs> And Joe, now we go to a commercial break, which is one of the things I didn't love about this NXT. Like, I understand that you don't want to, like, kill yourself, but you're on the network. You don't have to have a, you don't have to have a, a commercial break here. You could even cut the commercial break and take it out and edit the way you want to edit it. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, there's old Neville, a.k.a. Pac, hitting... Hitting the red arrow. That move was awesome. What Pop was up his, power bomb. What was his What's motto? Man? I was going to say, what, what? what was Neville's motto? Wasn't it the the man that gravity forgot or whatever? The man that gravity forgot. Yeah, that's right. Sorry about that, Slade. I was, got really thirsty and I had to go steal some of my son's Hawaiian punch. I hear you. What kind of Hawaiian punch was it? The green one. I don't know okay. the flavor. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's all we had other than milk. So I'm drinking my son's Hawaiian punch right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here Worth though, it. so he doesn't know. Worth it. <laughs> Joe throws some nasty chops. I got to say. He does. They're not Walter chops, which can be heard three states away, but these are pretty nice chops. Speaking of Walter, that rematch is happening on the next takeover. With yes. him and, him uh, and Ilya Dragonov. Yeah. And did you ever see that I, original match? I never have, and I need like, to do that before before yes. takeover. It was the best match last year. Yeah, I've heard it's great stuff. I just I just never did make time to watch it. Now, yeah. That's my fault. That's on me for just not doing it. I think it's about because somebody else told me that I needed to watch it. They're like, this was one of the most brutal matches you, you know, without like weapons or anything. And I can believe it just because I know how how stiff Walter is. And so if somebody's giving it back to him, oh man. It's gonna be rough just it was, because yeah. Ooh, nice rolling kick right there that takes Zane's legs out from under him. But yeah, that goes for anybody else listening that did not catch uh the first Walter and Dragonoff match last year. Please go back and watch that. It it if you if you like wrestling, if you like just stiff wrestling, um, this is I mean, it didn't get much better than that match. I was captivated by it. Um, you know, it's not something I could watch constantly every single week, you know what I mean? But it's right. one of those that it just caught me by surprise because you hadn't seen a match like that in a long time. Um, and and it, it worked and yeah, so I'm excited for the rematch. I mean, obviously, 
it's kind of like kind of like Styles and Nakamura at WrestleMania 34, where there was so much hype behind that match because of the match they had previously had before they got to WWE and they were all oh, it's gonna be a match of the year type deal. So if you hype yourself up too much, you know, you can be let down, but I think it'll still be a fun rematch. Oh yeah. And I keep remembering like years ago, um the um I think it was SummerSlam '93. It was eight. It was Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Hennig, and um, but the whole time like, they were talking about, how, oh, you know, I don't know who's going to win, but I know it's going to be a great match because you got two of the all-time great athletes, and and it just those two for whatever reason just didn't have good chemistry, and it was a blah match at best. Yeah. So you always worry about that, but we know they can have a good match. Oh, Zane goes for a goes for a goes for a looks like the blue thunder bomb, but uh, Joe reverses his weight and lands on him. Yeah, just a second ago, oh. Zane hit a really nice flying crossbody. Yes, he did for a, for a near fall. Yeah, this this match has been a. Uh, let's see how far we're. I mean, we're I'd say twenty five minutes into it so far. We're yes. 30, 31 minutes. So, yeah, about 25 minutes into the match. And these these guys have kept going. Like, it's not a lot of rest holds. You know, it's not one guy walking out of the ring and walking around and taunting um, to waste time. Like, they're going. And so, Sammy, it, it is kind of like you said about uh, Sammy earlier. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but. Are you uh, good? Uh, you can tell that the injuries, you know, like this Sammy from five years ago um, and the Sammy now, you can definitely tell that his body, what do they, what do they say? Your, your bump, your bump card. Um, he, he's, he's reaching, you know, his bump card is getting a little full. Yeah. Um, but with moves like what we just saw that Samoa Joe put on him, um, with a corner urinagi, which is the rock bottom, into the muscle buster, and Joe has fall number one. Yeah. And, I mean, Zane's been doing it for oh, how long now? 20 years, God, 15 years? Probably 15 um, years at, at least. You know, father, there's there's two things that are undefeated in life, Slade. Uh -huh. They're your parents. It's father time and mother nature. Yep. You, you can't beat either one of them. Um, no, you can't. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. Um, Father Tom and Mother Nature are going to win. Oh, yeah. And Mother Nature and Father Tom gets you and you don't realize it. It's not fun. Right. You know, but I think Sammy, uh, Sammy kind of like we were mentioning with, with Joe, um, as we go to another commercial, uh, kind of like we were mentioning with Joe a little bit earlier, I think Sammy, if he wants to do commentary or – I mean, there's definitely a place for Sammy Zane after he's done in-ring. You know, if he, wants yes. to be a man, if he wants to be a manager or the leader of a, a really faction or whatever, uh, whatever he wants to do, I think he could knock it out of the park because he has that charisma and he has that ability to just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't – just like Joe, I don't want to see him not in the ring, but I do kind of look forward to seeing what happens after he's in the ring, you know, um, because th there are possibilities with him. 
So Joe just nails Zane. Oh, he's going for another muscle buster. But yeah, Sammy has figured out, I think I said this, he's figured out the the way to keep himself relevant without killing himself. That and a that's a chop. vital thing to do, especially in this business. Absolutely. That was a brutal chop. Yes, it was. I would not want to take some of these shots. Like, I'm sure Joe is a safe worker and all, and with the exception of the Tyson kid thing, which wasn't his fault, he's never seriously injured anybody. But, man, that doesn't look like it'd be fun take. I mean, there's only one way to take a chop, though. Yeah, like, you take chops. <laughs> yeah, like, they talked about how, like, when – um. When um, who was it? Um, oh, what was the name of the guy that Bret Hart had the match with? That Tom McGee. Tom McGee. And one of the things they talked about was Tom McGee didn't really know how to sell that well, so he had another match with Ted DiBiase, and DiBiase just chopped the hell out of him because he knew that's the one thing he had to sell because it really hurts. Right. Like you can't not sell that because you're really hurt. And so he chopped him to get him to sell where, and yeah, and so that's, and Bret Hart always hated chopping. Like he hated chopping. Did you because, ever see that? Or, yeah, what? I was going to say, did you ever see that Tom McGee match? Yeah, yeah, the Tom McGee-Bret Hart match. Yeah, because the, they had put it on the network a little while Yeah, the, I actually watched that documentary the other day. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. It's actually, it's. It's if you don't know the story behind right, it, right? And they and I gotta say the WWE in the document they don't really talk about like why that match really worked because for those of y'all who don't know, Tom McGee was supposed to be the next Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Like he was six about six five, about two sixty. He had long blonde hair. He was a legitimate gymnast and um, a world's strongest man competitor. So, like, he had all these credentials, but he wasn't really good in the ring. So, but they had a trial match for him between him and Bret Hart, and Bret Hart made him look like a million bucks. Like, if you just watched that match, you would think, oh, my Lord, Tom McGee's going to be the next big thing. But as it turned out, when you got him against people who weren't as willing to make him look good, he just, he didn't have the chops to make himself look good. Right. And so that's why they always talk about how like Bret Hart was a modern miracle worker because he made Tom McGee look good. And so, yeah, that's, and I really wish they'd have brought that up, but I guess you don't really want to crap on the guy who actually agreed to be in the video. Right. And again, like I said, it wasn't all McGee's fault. McGee had never been trained with it, really. He kind of got fast-tracked. And he never was in a ring with people who were willing to work with him, except for Brett and, to an extent, Ted DiBiase. So, yeah, he kind of got the Goldberg treatment a little bit. Yeah. You know, because Goldberg never had the – I mean, he trained for a little while, but not long enough to to do anything more than what he did. You know what I mean? Um, and, And Goldberg didn't really know what he was doing for a long time. Because right, 
he was that green, but they wanted to push him, you know. So, I mean, you got to do what the company tells you to do. Um, and, and who in their right mind is going to say, no, don't push me yet. Um, right. Don't give me those main events. Don't give me this 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 streak of making me look unbeatable. Don't do this. You know, ain't nobody going to do that. Um, right. Yeah. In a sense, he kind of got that, that Goldberg-ass treatment or Goldberg got the Tom McGee treatment, whichever way you want to put it. But, uh, I mean, I mean, whatever you say about it, everybody knows who – or most people knows who Tom McGee is because of all that now. So, yeah, Brett – Brett – it's a testament to how good Bret Hart was that that, that match looks good because I forget it, he because they sent him to Japan to try to like learn some stuff there and maybe pick up some stuff and it was awful. Yeah, like he just it, I don't know if it was just because he was a foreign wrestler. I don't know if it was because he just didn't click. I don't know what it was, but they look he those matches were bad. Like he was running around in circles at one point, literally. Mm. Meanwhile, Joe is kicking the crap out of Sammy Zayn some more. Yeah, like I said, Joe just has a way of looking. Just, I yes. mean, and obviously he's kicking the what you said, the crap out of Zayn, but he's so intense, man. Like so believable, and he's always been that way, even back to his early. TNA days back when I was oh, watching yes. him and, and, and AJ on TNA back in like 04 or 05, whenever it was. Or are we talking the are we talking the when it was on Fox Sports, like Fox Sports South? Yeah. Like, like had that three o'clock Friday afternoon. Some, some, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember I used to watch it every week for for a while. Uh I want to say it was on Fox Sports South. Could be wrong, but it was. I, I got mean, yeah, I know, I was, I, was say, I know I was in high school. Because um, so it was, was on there, and then when the WWE left Spike to go yeah, back to the overall impact or TNA moved to um, Spike. Yeah, I think it might have been when it was on Spike because I remember it was called TNA Total Nonstop Action. What well, was the yes. name of the, the, the show itself? Uh, and then, but it was before the they impact. had the six-sided ring and all that BS, uh, right? I think they had the X division. I want to say, um, but I remember, I remember Samojo being on there. I remember Christopher Christopher Daniels being on there. I remember AJ being on there. Some other people, but those were the three that I remember because they were on almost every week, right? And you know, and AJ had that that short uh preppy boy looking haircut. Uh Samoa yes. had had some pretty short hair, if I remember correctly. He did. And, and Christopher Daniels was still bald. Yep. <laughs> awesome move from Sammy there. Nice. Nice flip dive there for Sam. For Samuel Zane. Yeah, I still never forget when he dove through the ladders in that one mat or the ladder onto the outside or to like six people. That was good stuff. 
Because I'm not about to dive through no ladder slate. I don't know about you. What's that? I said when Sammy dove through the ladder. On the no, I wouldn't. I loved it. Uh, no, I'm oh, saying, but I wouldn't do it. I don't know about you. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely <laughs> not. We got nice. a cokey clutch here from from Sammy Zane on Joe. That was a nice spot right there. Yes. How he got into that. Yep. And Joe taps that, which is the smart thing to do. Yep. I know the WWE never like enjoys doing this because they make it they they made tapping out make it look like a coward. Yep. But if you're in a two out of three falls and you're up one oh and somebody gets you to move like that, tap early and get you and save yourself because you can still win. Don't try to prove a point. Yep. I agree. It's they also, I really wish they would stop the idea that if you tap, you're a coward because sometimes you got to tap to save yourself. Yeah. Everybody's been put in compromising positions. Yep. Like our truth says, sometimes you get got. Speaking uh, of the. the the Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness. Dude, that show was so good. Yes, it was. It was so good. Like, I loved all the little subtle callbacks and stuff they did. Yes. Roflo, Robert Flores. Yeah, I've watched that. I've watched that whole series, all series, it's like great. all two seasons, probably like two or three times. Because, like I said, they just do so many subtle callbacks and whatnot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Finkel was on it. Um, mean Gene was on uh, it. God bless uh, the think. But yeah, I mean, they'd always have just random old old characters and old uh, wrestlers on that show. It was, it was great stuff. Um, but yeah, I, uh, speaking of our truth, since I mentioned him a minute ago, uh, one thing I wish they would keep doing with our truth, and it was probably a one week thing, but I wish they would do it every single week is have him mic'd up during the match. Yes. That was great when they did that a couple weeks ago. Yes. Because I was like, this is really – because I saw it happening, you know, when he was still talking about – I was like, this is a smart idea. Like, this can be entertaining as hell to have our truth mic'd up during the match because – Have different people mic'd up because you never know what you might find out. Absolutely. Like obviously, yeah, our truth can can will make you and you know the match yeah. isn't gonna go three to five minutes. Um, yeah, it's not like he's gonna have to keep it going, but our you know, and, and that's your comedy spot. Um yes, and, and truth could make it work every single time. He's just that good. Zane just hit a blue thunder bomb. It's like truth. There's a, a YouTube video out. I don't know when it was posted, but I came across it the other day. But it's like I think the title of it is Eight Minutes of Our Truth Being Funny." It, it's just clip after clip after clip of him just being him, and it's it's great. yes, it's absolutely, great. and it's awesome because he's hilarious. Yeah, and it it missed it missed some of his earlier moments, like with the little Jimmy and all that. Yes, um, but yeah, I still it, love the fact that he grew up as a huge John Cena fan, even though Truth himself <laughs> is older. Than John Cena. Uh, I know. 
But no, and there's I know I've mentioned a couple podcasts today or on the pie on our podcast, but there's another one speaking of our truth. Last time I'll speak of our truth, maybe. But uh oh near fall right there. Yep. But if you haven't listened to it, go find the new day podcast from when our truth was on it. Oh my god. I bet it is gold. It's it's from about six, eight months ago, maybe a little more. Um dude. Our truth has them rolling the entire 45 minutes or however long it is. It's absolutely yeah. hilarious. And he's not even trying, like, I mean, he's trying, you know what I mean? But he's just being natural, our truth. And it's great. Oh, yes. It's great. So I highly encourage anybody, uh, you included Slate. If, if, if anybody hasn't heard that podcast, listen to it, go find it. Uh, like I said, it came about eight months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, but you will be laughing your ass off for like 45 minutes easily. So because Biggie and Kofi and Xavier are laughing theirs off the, the entire time. Oh, I can I completely believe that. So um just just looked at it. Um Sammy Zane did one of my favorite spots he did where you would dive like from one end. From one end outside the other, and he'd dive through the bottom and middle turnbuckles around the steel ring post, mm-hmm. hit a tornado DDT. I love that spot. Yeah. He did it so smooth, too. Joe fight just gets back in on the count of three or on the count of ten. And see, here, here's what I like about how this match has been paced because I mentioned – a little while ago when they were about 20, 25 minutes in, that like they were still going, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they, they weren't doing anything to kind of uh, waste time and whatnot, however you want to put it. But now it's moving a little slower, but it's also understandable. Because uh, they're tired. Right. And they've been, they've been going for so long. So it's understandable that they're kind of resting and, and taking their time now. But uh, Joe's just – Joe's just relentless with these submissions. As JR say, would say, he's got uh, Sami Zayn in a compromised position here. Very compromised position. God, that looks like it hurts. And it don't feel good. No. So close, so far for Mr. Samojo. He looks perturbed. Yep. That's a great word, by the way. Perturbed. It is. I've always liked it. Sammy looks worn out. Sammy looks like he is on his last legs. What a kick from Samoa Joe. Joe standing in a neutral corner. Yeah, Sammy just dropped. <laughs> yes. Understandable. He so. like he got shot. Yeah. Yeah, Sammy's so good back back in this time. 
Um, oh yes, which I mean, like I said, he still is, but he was a great. He could get sympathy easily. Yes. Now Joe's just just peppering him with shots. Oh, nice kick. Sammy looks like he's dead. Uh, yeah. It's been a long night for Mr. Zane. I'd probably look the same way, too, if I was in his situation. Joe is just beating the crap out of him now. Yeah, we, must, we must be getting close to the finish here. Yes. I don't know if they've mentioned it or not. So before this started, they mentioned that they had Bailey on the show. They had a number one contenders tag team match between American Alpha and the Vaude Villains and some other people. And they had to reschedule all of that because this match was not supposed to last this long. Those are two tag teams that, which for different reasons, but I always, I like the Vaude Villains in NXT. And then, uh, oh, I did too. Oh, uh, but Sammy comes in with the clutch. He's going for the coquina clutch. And who's other one is American Alpha? Yeah, I love. Yeah, oh God, yeah, I saw them. Gable. Yeah, I saw them in Jackson too at that same house show that me and AJ Styles locked eyes up. So, fun fact of the day: I was at the Raw when. Um, when oh shoot, who was the other one? Jason Jordan. It was Gable and Jason Jordan. When Jason Jordan was revealed as Kurt Angle's storyline son, oh, you were at that raw. I was at that raw. That's funny. I remember watching that. It was in Nashville. My brother got me tickets for my th- for my birthday. Nice. And because the main event was Joe versus Roman, and Braun, St- Braun Strowman ran down. Oh, okay. Nice. Sami Zayn has rallied, and he's fixed to go for an for an uh, for a halluva kick. Well, I got one oh, for you. Oh, but he doesn't hit it. I got one for and you. Now Joe's got the coquina clutch on. It's be game set match. He's got it clinched in. Zayn's awfully close to the ropes. Oh, nice, Joe. Now he's great behind the arm. Zane, Zane passes out. Like his face looks blue. Like his lips look blue. Yeah, it should. He is out. And Joe has won the match and the number one contender spot where he will fight Finn Balor for the NXT championship at TakeOver Dallas. And, you know, it's crazy that they did all that for, like you just said, a number one contendership. Yes. Not a title. Usually that's a title match, you know. Um, right. This is for a chance at the title match. <laughs> you usually don't see this, this uh, I don't want to say brutal, but this style of a match for a number one contender uh, position. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, for grabs. So uh, it's kind of refreshing to see this in this situation. Um, like right. Because you don't, you don't see it like this. Uh, very often, like I said, they usually save these style matches for uh, uh, championship at, at big events. But no, Slade, you were mentioning that that you were at the Raw where Jason Jordan was announced as Kurt Angle's illegitimate son. One right. of the, I can't remember if it's the last Raw I went to. I don't think it was the last one. Uh, but one of the last Raws I went to was down on – it was in Biloxi at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, and I got to see uh, – it was it was back when Stephanie and Triple H were the authority. So right. Was it 2013, 2014-ish? Uh, right. But I got to see uh, uh, Dustin Rose or Goldust – Cody Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes in the ring together at the same time. And uh, <laughs> I got to see Dusty. It was an episode where he told Stephanie that he'd be her Huckleberry. Oh. but uh, So that yeah. would have been 13, I think. I, I think it was 13. Battleground. Yeah, I think so, because I'm pretty sure it was before WrestleMania 30. Um, so 13 sounds right. I think it was like, yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, but our, I just remember the whole uh, Coliseum popped for for uh, Dusty's entrance music, you know, the American Dream entrance music. Yes. Is absolutely classic. And that was my first time ever getting to see Dusty Rhodes in person and then getting to see him in the ring with both of his sons at the same time. Uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, because I don't remember who all, yeah. Like, I think Jason Jordan being revealed was like the big thing that I remember at the one I went to. And then I went to a SmackDown in Birmingham in 18. What I remember the most about it was, um, Shelton Benjamin. It was the night after the two of leading Alabama to beat George in the national championship game. And, like, Shelton Benjamin talked about, like, how Alabama cheated and, like, a huge Roll Tide chant broke out. <laughs> That's funny. I, uh, I've coincidentally enough, I've never been to a SmackDown. It, it was, it, it was actually a Christmas present for me. I've always Chase, wanted to go to my, SmackDown, but I've never been. My younger brother got me tickets to go to – he got me my birthday tickets, which was that July. And then that set that January, he got, got us tickets to go to Raw in Birmingham. Nice. And we had a good time. It was a, it was a good show. Yeah. I've been, I've been to a handful of Raws. Like I said, I've been to two WrestleManias, never been to any other pay-per-views. I've always wanted to go to a Royal Rumble. Um, right. And then I, I went to a handful of house shows here in Hattiesburg. And I'm trying to remember, I never went to a WCW show. And yeah, so I've been to, I've probably been to five or six Rawls, five or six house shows, two WrestleManias. I've never been to a house. No, no, no. Take that back. I never went to a WWE house show. I did go to a WCW house show in Tupelo when I was twelve years old. 
Um, Dude, WCW loved Tupelo. Yes. They loved um, Tupelo. Scott Hall did not because he no-showed. Because, <laughs> like, I remember Dave Penzer bringing that up, like, right for, like, you know, there's a match schedule for Scott Hall versus Sting or something like that. But we're going to have to change that because Scott Hall is not here, and he never showed up. Okay. But it was a – we had – it was a fun time. I was, like, 12 years old. Um, the NWO Wolfpack was big, mm. and um, and Chris Jericho said, hello, Missouri – when he was there, I mean, it was it was a good time. Yeah, last the last house show I went to for WWE was in Hattiesburg at Reed Green, and uh, they had travel issues. So like oh. Ray Mysteri- Mysterio was supposed to be there, he didn't show up. It was like half of the advertised card wasn't able to show up because wherever they were flying out of, the flights got canceled or something happened. Right. Uh, but so they had to adjust on the fly at the last minute and Cena wound up wrestling, I think four matches that night. Good Lord. Cause they had like, it was some kind of like championship tournament that they created that night and Cena, Cena wrestled four matches that night. Cause like I said, it, it was either only like a quarter or a half of the roster actually made it to Hattiesburg. Uh, Damn. One of them. So, and I forget who all else was there, but. That's what I remember seeing him. Like it seemed like every other match on the card, Cena was coming out, and I just remember thinking after we left, like that man's got to be tired. You know, d- doing that at a house show. Um, but that shows you, you know, kind of what that's, that's said about John. I was about to say that shows you what the, the, the narrative about Cena has been for years. Is so, I mean, nobody works harder. Um, he's the ultimate company man, and. I saw I saw it with my own two eyes that, that he'd do whatever it took for that company um, in Little Old Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah, like it wouldn't like I don't think anybody would have killed Cena if he would have said, you know, if he would have taken it easy that night. Yeah, like he definitely like, didn't though. Like he showed up to Hattiesburg like mo like like I said, you know, Scott Hall no show to an event in Cupolo. And by all rights, any town like that, he would just say, nope, not doing it, not doing it. Right. And then you got Cena, who not only comes to Hattiesburg, but he wrestles four times with the people in Hattiesburg because people couldn't get there. Yep. And there probably wasn't – the uh, Reed Green wasn't probably half full. There might have been three, 4,000 people at the show. Right. It's not like he's wrestling in a packed arena and you know what I mean? It's yeah, I don't yeah, you've probably never been in Reed Green Coliseum, but it was built in nineteen seventy-two and it still looks like it's in nineteen seventy-two. Um so it's not some glamorous arena type deal. Uh, and and you know, and there were other people on the card that wrestled like two matches because like I said it was some kind of tournament format, but I I vast I vividly remember Cena wrestling four times in about a two-hour span or however long those shows go on, two and a half hours. Right. But, yeah, there's a little trip down memory lane. Um, Slade, I appreciate you uh, uh, picking picking this episode of NXT out, man. It, that, was a, that was a really, really fun match. Uh, like I said before, before we started it, I hadn't seen it. 
because uh, I wasn't following weekly NXT at the time. But Sorry. I mean that that I think that match and that episode was the epitome of why NXT was what it was in that right. era. You know uh, why it was gaining so much traction and why so many people were falling in love with it. Mm-hmm. You weren't gonna get much better wrestling on TV in the states at that point. No, absolutely. It, it, it's very impressive. And then you, you know, it. Uh, when did Shinsuke come along to NXT? Was it around? He's this coming time along right after this because that's because okay. Zayn ends up fighting Shinsuke at that uh, at that t- takeover Dallas. Okay, so yeah, I mean the ball. Because it's like we got to find somebody for Zayn to fight because he doesn't have anything. Right. Yeah, so I the think ball Regal just... may actually be like like it's auto playing the next week's show for me, <laughs> and and I think he might be revealing it now. I got you, but yeah, I mean that just shows you the ball just keeps on rolling for NXT at this point, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's, I mean. Let's stay here. I always like the fact that back then, Regal would always make sure to point out that you could watch NXT exclusively on the network. <laughs> yep, this is where he reveals that he's fighting Shinsuke. Okay, so it was literally a week later, huh? Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, the ball just keeps on rolling and rolling for NXT at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, Slate, is there anything else you got for the people? No, I I, I think I'm good. Um, like I say, this was good. I think I think we said next week we're gonna do our SummerSlam preview. Yeah, that's that's the tentative plan for now because SummerSlam, as we're recording this, this is on Thursday, um, August twelfth. So as of now, SummerSlam is on next Saturday. Uh, that's right. It's on a Saturday, not a Sunday. Uh, so I'm excited about having a Saturday night pay-per-view for selfish reasons, but uh, we plan on doing a SummerSlam pay-per-view for our next episode. Hopefully we can drop it sometime midweek next week yes. uh, to give a few days buffer before the show starts. Um, but, you know, right. life can happen. We'll see what happens, but we'll definitely have a SummerSlam preview episode out sometime next week uh so be on the lookout for that uh I, i'm excited about SummerSlam. should be a really fun show it seems like wwe is pulling out all the big guns that they can pull out uh try to pull out all the stops and, and, and make a, a really memorable show hopefully they can uh we'll be back next week to preview that though slade um nothing else for the people huh i think we're good um Again, this is a fun episode to look back on. Um, and NXT, like I said, it's not it looks like it's not going to be what it was. But hopefully if they get this new paradigm shift going, you can see some new young stars coming up, which I think that's when NXT was at its best, when you were getting people going yep. up. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that. And you were rotating guys in and out. Yep, 100%, man. Um, well, once again, Slade, I appreciate you, man. I, I think, thank you for your patience um, with me and with, with, with technology and everything else. 
I still enjoy doing this podcast. Like I said, a, a, a little while ago, we're reaching on 50 episodes at this point. It's pretty crazy to think of. And, you know, hopefully we'll get another 50 more and then another 50 more and another 50 more. Um, we'll see what the future holds. But in the meantime, man, uh, stay safe out there. Don't be working too hard. To the people listening, as I said at the beginning of this episode, please give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Twitter. And on Facebook, we are at Buckle Talk. And on Twitter, we are at Turnbuckle P. Give us a like and a follow on both of those platforms. You'll stay up to date on all things Turnbuckle Talk. You'll be the first one to know when any new content drops. Uh, I promise I'll try and get to live tweeting more events here pretty soon. Still trying to get adjusted to this new job that I have. Um, Looks like probably about another month worth of uh, miserable heat on a daily basis, and then it should start cooling off. So, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Mid October at the latest, hopefully. Um, so yeah, things are looking up in, in more ways than one. So we appreciate y'all tuning in uh, this week, any week that you've tuned in. Uh, you're a new listener, please go give us a. a, a a deep dive into the archives like i said almost 50 episodes deep we got a little bit of everything so far and we plan on giving you a little bit more of everything in the future um but with that being said we're going to get on out of here um, as i always say please stay safe love somebody smile uh, be happy and and we'll see you here next time for another episode of turnbuckle talk have a good one